Yeah, a call has so much more like weight to it. It's like you, mm-hmm. you, if you're called to something by the Lord, you're going to die for that thing. Right. right. Whereas a dream, you might be more lax to be like, I guess it's just not on the cards. I guess maybe, you know, the blessing isn't there or whatever else. And maybe you'll you'll just stop. You're willing to say something like, I'm carrying out a great project and I cannot go down. Right. Which, by the way, would be, make a really great tattoo. <laughs> This study references the book Nehemiah, I Am, Taking Authority Over Identity by Mike Hilson. Get your own copy of the book today on Amazon. Well, hey, y'all, welcome back to session six of our of our look at and our study through the uh, story of Nehemiah. Again, as I've done every time, we have this resource. Uh, the book is called I Am Taking Authority Over Identity because that's ultimately what we have to do. Now, we've made a lot of progress here. We've gotten all the way to um, Nehemiah functioning in such a way that he is leading by example. And and he's doing that because he knows who he is. He, he understands who God has made him. And so so he's even now overcome inequities among his people, you know, uh, subje- uh, some some people subjecting others to poverty and to slavery. And he's overcome that. And he's overcome that, honestly, by the strength of his convictions and by the strength of his person, his actions. They've seen him act out in a way that makes this uh, that makes them believe and want to follow him. But here's one of the things that I want us to understand. Sometimes you'll feel like you've made it, and sometimes you'll feel like you're there. He is leading, in chapter 5, clearly out of personhood. So he's not just leading out of position. They're following him because he's a good person, because he's a person they believe in, because they they know him now. They're, all of that's true. Even when you've made it that far, the walls are almost complete. All of that is taking place. When everything's working in your favor, even in that moment, old threats will come back and they will endanger you again. We're going to find in chapter 6 that that Nehemiah is in danger again. Watch. Uh, Let's just read this. Chapter 6, verse 1. When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it. Okay. So it's the the work is pretty much done though at that up to that time I had not set the doors and gates. The gates aren't closed but the walls up. It's an incredible feat. Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me so I sent the, I sent messengers to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave to go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Geshem and, uh, and uh, uh, I'm sorry, not Geshem, uh, uh, Sanballat and Geshem, yes, have sent messengers because they, they're saying they want to sit down and meet with, with, with Nehemiah. But Nehemiah understands that all this is, is them trying to harm him. Now, I want you to, I, I want to make a point here. The real danger to Nehemiah is not external. He's safe. He's in the city. He's doing the work. He's getting it done. Uh, he, he, the real danger is not internal to him. 
It's not external. I'm sorry. It's not. It's not. It's not Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem coming into the city to get him because they're not going to do that. The real danger here is if Nehemiah would allow himself to become distracted. Let me just say that in any life, in any leadership, in any in any role that 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 brings about change or brings about direction or brings about movement. The greatest danger you face is distraction. Because, uh, look, you, you need to understand, the more you accomplish, the more you will be given opportunity to accomplish more. The problem is when you get opportunities, after you've accomplished a few things and you get opportunities, the challenge is to ask yourself, which of these is an opportunity and which of these is a distraction? Now, let me unpack this a different way. Uh, Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, they've all decided they come, they, they send word to Nehemiah, come out and meet with us in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. And we're just going to discuss. And, and Nehemiah may have seen that as, hey, maybe I can come up with a peace treaty with all of these folks around us. Maybe we can build a coalition. Maybe we can actually come together and all of our, all of our peoples can work together. Maybe I could do this great thing. Well, here's the problem. He's already doing a great thing. And in order for him to go down and meet with Sanballat and Geshem, the work on the wall, which is the great thing he's been called to, would have to pause in order for him to go down and try to do another great thing that he hasn't been called to. Let me be clear. To, 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 somehow, try to, to somehow try to build peace between himself and Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, and all the other leaders, to somehow try to build peace among enemies, that's a great thing. Everybody's got me? But that's not the great thing he was called to. If you go chasing some great thing that's not what you were called to, that's not an opportunity. That's a distraction. And the danger is not in Sanballat and Geshem. The danger is internal with Nehemiah that he would allow himself to be distracted from what God called him to do. The world may say, but this is a great thing. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter if that's a great thing. It's not what God called me to do. There are a lot of great things out there. I've had people ask me before. I've pastored this church now for 25 years. And I've had people ask me as I pastored this church, why don't you start a Christian school? And my answer is always, I think that's a great idea for the next pastor. Because it's not what God called me to do. Is it a great thing to start a Christian school? It's absolutely a great thing to start a Christian school. Is it a great thing to educate our children? Absolutely. Is that something that's worthwhile? Absolutely. But it's not what I was called to. I wasn't called to do that. So somebody else is going to have to do that great thing because I'm busy working on this great thing. This is the one God called me to. The distraction would be to go down to oh no. And you should always say oh no to oh no. You should never go down to a valley that you're not called to go down to. You should never go to meetings that have nothing to do with what God called you to do. And that's what would happen here. Even if they were being honest. If Nehemiah allowed himself to be distracted by building peace with his neighbors from building a wall around his city, then he would have slowed down the work. And maybe it never would have gotten completed because he was so distracted with now being a peacekeeping force instead of building a, being a wall-building force. God's called him to build walls, not to build coalitions. Now, the coalitions will come later, but not under Nehemiah. Nehemiah's job is to build that wall, and he's got to stay focused because distraction is death to the goal God's put in front of you. 
Now, it goes on in, in chapter 6, verse 5. Then the fifth time, Sanballat sent his aid to me with the same message. And in his hand was an unsealed letter. Unsealed meaning he had let everybody know. Okay, in which was written, it is reported among the nations. I love this. I love this sentence. Listen to it. It is reported among the nations and Geshem says it's true. (laughs) Okay, okay. My other enemy says that you, my enemy, is telling the truth here that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt and therefore you're building the wall. Moreover, According to these reports, you're about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now, this report will get back to the king. So come, let us meet together. And I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You're just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed but I prayed, now strengthen my hands. You see, watch, not only can you be distracted by outside forces, and that's not really about the outside forces, that's about you allowing the distraction. The outside forces will attempt to intimidate you, but you can't let them. You can't let them. You say, well, I'm not as big as they are, but your God's bigger. You say, well, I'm not as strong as they are, but your God's stronger. You say, well, I can't fight them, but your God can. And what they're going to do is they're going to try to intimidate you with lies with rumors, with, with name-calling. They are actually saying, we are accusing you of, being, of revolting against King Artaxerxes, who gave you the authority to come here. And if you don't come meet with us in the, plain of, in the Valley of Ono, then we are going to go tell King Xerxes that you are revolting against him. Now, here's the deal. The king knows better. You don't, you, do you really think, can I just pause? Do you really think the king doesn't know the integrity of Nehemiah versus the integrity or lack of integrity in Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem? You really think the king doesn't know that? Of course he knows that. Of course he understands. And if they come back and they say, yeah, well, Nehemiah is trying to revolt against you. Nehemiah knows full well that the king will simply, simply send him a messenger and say, hey, I'm hearing this. What's going on? And Nehemiah will answer him and it'll all be fine. He's not going to allow himself to be intimidated. Again, the threat is not external. It's internal. Intimidation only works if you receive the fear that the label is meant to insert in your life. If you, receive, if you refuse to receive that fear, then the intimidation won't work on you. The intimidation won't have an effect. You'll be able to just hold your ground. Listen, you may think about it. You may worry about it, but you can't let it intimidate you. You can't let it change your course. You can't be distracted by something that's not what you've been called to do. And you can't be intimidated by people that are going to lie about you because there are always going to be people who lie about you. Over and over again, over and over again, in, in my world, in, I've, I've seen people do this. And, and you just have to stand your ground. You just have to stand your ground. People will lie about you. They will try to intimidate you. They will try to threaten you with lies. But the truth is, you've just got to step back and you've got to say, this is what God called me to. I'm going to stay focused on this. The more we are focused on what God called us to do, the less chance there is we'll be distracted and the less chance there is we'll be intimidated by anybody else's lie. Then it goes on. So one day I went to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of, and another guy's name, who was shut in his house, shut in, who was a shut in at his home. 
He said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night, they're coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away? Or or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized, he said, that God had not sent him but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this, so that I would show weakness in front of my people by hiding away in the temple. That would have been a sin. And then they would give me a bad name and discredit me. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, my God, because of what they have done. Remember also the prophet Noadiah and how she and the rest of the prophets have been trying to intimidate me. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. Y'all, the enemy is going to try to distract you. The enemy is going to try to intimidate you. And if the enemy can't do that, He'll try to confine you. And he will confine you internally with your own fears. What they're trying to do is put enough fear in Nehemiah that Nehemiah will run to the temple and hide in the temple. If Nehemiah is hiding in the temple, then they can send their own spies and their own infiltrators to come into the people and change the people's thinking about Nehemiah while he's hidden up in the temple. If Nehemiah is out among the people, you can't do that as easily. But if, he's, if, he, if he becomes confined, then the truth is the work is going to stop and he's going to cease being effective at what God has called him to do. You cannot let the words of the enemy, let me back up. You cannot let the lies of the enemy, the deceit of your enemies, to distract you, to intimidate you, or to confine you. You are not to be confined within the walls of the temple. That's not what God called him to do. God called him to build the walls of the city. The whole city is where he belongs, not just this one spot. And he cannot allow everyone else, anyone else, to confine him in that space. If he is distracted, intimidated, or confined, the world work will stop. He will not be effective at what God called him to do. How do you fight that? You fight that by remembering who God called you to be and do that. God called me to build this wall. If somebody kills me while I'm building the wall, then so be it. This is what God called me to do. If someone attacks me while I'm doing what God called me to do, so be it. I'll still do what God called me to do. I know that I know that I know what God told me to do, and I will not stop doing it no matter where you want me to go and how you want me to distract me. I will not stop doing it no matter how badly you try to intimidate me or how much you lie about me. And I will not hide myself away in a corner because I'm afraid of you. I'm only going to follow God. Paul says it this way. Don't fear the one who can take your physical life. Fear the one who is in charge of heaven and in charge of your spiritual life. That's God. And the fear of God is a respect, not a fear that he might hurt me, but a respect that he wants to build me. Don't be distracted. Don't be intimidated. And don't be confined because the world will come against you. But if you remember who you are, you can overcome even that. So the language that you used referring to Nehemiah and what he's supposed to be doing started out as a dream, and then it sort of evolved into a call. You use the term call quite a bit in this particular lesson. So how do we know that a dream is a call? How does a dream evolve or become a call? How do we unravel that? Okay, can I, I'm going to demystify this for you. Okay. Uh, because uh, I think, I think, okay, I think sometimes a calling is just a mystical 
spiritual thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I can give you both stories in my life. You know, um, I remember working construction, and uh, I was working construction the year the summer before I went off to college. And I'm sitting there having lunch, and my my stepdad, bless his heart, just didn't think I should go to college, didn't see value in it. Right. Uh, thought it's a waste of money and a waste of time. Mm-hmm. And he he he'd made he had an eighth grade education and had made a good life for himself, right? Um, so um, I'm sitting there over lunch, and I'm unpacking everything he tells me, and I I just I just prayed, and it was the weirdest thing. I don't usually do things like this. So okay, Lord, if you want me to if you want me to uh, go off to college, then you need to open that door. I've never done that before. I'd never done that before. And all of a sudden, I look up from my prayer, and literally the first thing I see is a man's hand hit that door (laughs) and push it open. He looks around a little bit confused like he's not even sure why he's there, and then he leaves. So there's the (laughs) mystical side, right? I knew I had to go to college, but that's not my call. My call was to be a pastor. (laughs) In the midst of going to college after I took uh, two years of music ed and one year of business administration, all of which helped me, by the way, as I went forward— um, I'm about to go to South Carolina. I'm thinking about signing up to be for ministerial training, and I'm sitting down with another pastor friend, Randy Gardner. And uh, I was a youth. He's He was a pastor at youth camp, and I told Randy, I think maybe God's called me. And Randy said, well, Michael, what you need to do is just walk down the path you think God's calling you on. If he blesses it, stay on it. If he don't, then quit. <laughs> okay demystified the whole thing yeah I, you're no longer looking for a bolt of lightning mm-hmm. you're just you think god's calling you to step in that direction if god opens doors then 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 a dream became a calling yeah a call has so much more like weight to it it's like you, mm-hmm. you, if you're called to something by the lord you're gonna die for that thing right, right? whereas a dream you might be more lax to be like i guess it's just not on the cards i guess maybe you know the blessing isn't there or whatever else and maybe you'll you'll just stop but the call makes it deeper and and to the point where you're willing to say something like, "I'm carrying out a great project and I cannot go down." Right. Which, by the way, would be, make a really great tattoo. I think some, <laughs> there's got to be somebody with that as a tattoo, because that is the best way to say no. Right. Yeah. Like, how many opportunities have you had over the course of the years where you are, in, you know, having to do this work as a pastor? You're called to this thing. You know it, and people come along and offer you something great and you're like I can't do that you have to be able to tell them no and I love how Nehemiah handles that um how do you get good at saying no how do you do that well the, you, you it takes focus it ta- when sometimes that focus is not easy uh this is the whole this is the whole point of um of the sabbatical Tina and I just took where we're at where we were away we were literally out of the country for five weeks and then um I was still out of the pulpit for another two or three weeks after that mm-hmm. and um and the reason for that was to reset is this still what God called me to mm. to re to to re-answer the question right because it, look in the end if you don't know you're called you won't stand strong in the midst of all the rest of the garbage that gets thrown at you. Yeah. Because there's a lot. Life life has a, life has a tendency of punching you in the mouth. Mm-hmm. Whether you're doing God's work or not. And when that happens, well, who who was it? Muhammad Ali or Mike Tyson that said everybody has a game plan until they get punched in the face. Mm-hmm. 
must have been Ali because Mike would have said it. Everybody has a game plan. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I mean, I mean, you, you, life punches you in the face. You got to have something that says this is what I'm called to. Mm. Got to be more than a dream because a dream, just to be frank about it, a dream is not worth dying for. Mm. A call is absolutely. You know, yeah. and I, I one time I was in a at a at a uh, business meeting for a district and. We were having this conversation, and and I remember stepping up and saying, you know, there's a difference between a dream and a vision. Mm -hmm. A dream is ethereal. It's out there, but you can't put your hands around it. There's nothing concrete. A vision is a dream with feet on it. Mm. And so I think when you're called, you turn your dreams into a vision. You give them feet. You give them a way to go forward. I think that's what we talked about in in week Mm -hmm. three of this, in session three of this. I, I I I think that what what now is going on with Nehemiah is he's into the work, mm. and sometimes when you're this far into the work, you get tired, mm. and when you get tired, the enemy thinks that he can intimidate, mm-hmm. or that he can lie about you, or the enemy thinks that he can distract you because you're tired, mm-hmm. and 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 frankly, it is easier. To get distracted or intimidated or confined when you're tired. But if you do that, you're going to lose traction. You're going to lose progress. And you're not going to ultimately accomplish everything God's got in front of you. Mm. Yeah. I, I, it's hard not to be impressed by Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. Like, just to just to see how he handles all of these threats um, and all of, the, all of this intimidation, all of this disinformation campaign kind of stuff that's happening with um, Sam Ballard and Geshem. And I know he's been around leadership a lot, mm-hmm. and I know that he's had that proximity to the king and no doubt has observed the king make decisions and handle himself in the midst of having to decide what's true and what's not true and make the right calls. But how does he, or how can we, maybe is a better question, have the same savvy and self-awareness that he has in the face of all of this information that's coming in these letters and everything else? Singularity is the answer to that. Mm. What am I here to do? I'm here to build a wall. What am I here to do? I'm here to reestablish a city. I'm not here. I'm not. I'm not here to build a peace delegation to get along with Sanballat and Tobiah. Mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm not here to figure out how to follow Geshem and the Arabs and all the other. I'm not here to figure that out. I'm not here to. Can I be honest? He is literally saying that to them. I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to rebuild Jerusalem. Yep. You know, and and I I think singularity is important. I think I think in today's world when we value so highly something that I think really doesn't exist called multitasking. Mm. Uh, nobody multitasks well. You focus on one thing, you just focus on it for very short periods of time as you go along. And so um and so I I think in this day and age when we when we value we place so much value on multitasking we lose focus. Yeah. And I think I think focus matters. Mm-hmm. I I think I think singularity of focus is what matters. Yeah, so sure. I mean we just we just interviewed someone a few a little while ago for a position in the church that um gentleman was was highly qualified for the position had all the skill sets we were looking for but wouldn't let go of the last job Mm. wanted to do our job and the last job well that's not singularity of focus Mm -hmm. so we said no Mm. you know either you're going to cheat your last job or you're going to cheat us Mm -hmm. no one can serve two masters yeah and so so no no 
We said no. And what you needed to hear from him is, I cannot come down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, if, if you know, if he was going to say, well, I'm not going to let go of the last job. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. That's a no to us. Mm-hmm. But at least you're focused now. Right. So, and I think I think that's how Nehemiah does it. I would say one other thing here. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, the The challenges never change. The challenges are the rubble of past destruction. Mm-hmm are the enemies of the current day. Hmm. And if you really look at it, those are the only two challenges. Hmm. They get discouraged by the piles of rubble that are so high that they, they don't think they're ever going to overcome them. Right. And they get threatened by the same people from beginning to the end of the book. Hmm. We get to the last chapter, we're going to find out there's a priest in the temple who's helping out one of these same guys. Gives him a room. Yes. Yeah. What I mean, about, how about the audacity? Oh, seriously. <laughs> I mean, so 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 frankly, frankly, the challenges that's that's something we need to understand. Mm-hmm. The challenges are always the same. Mm. They're repetitive. Right. Throughout your life, throughout your career, the challenges are repetitive. You already know what your enemies are. Stay prepared for them and stay focused on what God told you to do. 